Welcome to Inspire Church's podcast. We're excited you're listening. Our hope is to inspire you to grow in God's Word, to grow more in love with Christ, and to go be a light wherever you are. To find more teachings or donate to the ministry, visit us at inspirechurches.com. The Word of God that I would like to bring to you today is found in the book of Matthew, chapter 14, where Jesus walked on water. And I have entitled this message, Truly, You Are the Son of God. Truly, You Are the Son of God. And you're probably familiar with, with the account in the Bible about Jesus walking, walking on the water. Some of you have read uh, or heard about this, and you have probably believed, believed it to be a fantastic or a mystical story, or perhaps a, a skept- you're, you're skeptical about it, thinking how can someone literally step on the surface of the water and literally walk from the shore to the middle of the sea, and you're trying to reason to yourself a logical or a scientific explanation of the incident. If you're like me, that's what I wanted to do. Because let's face it, it's strange, isn't it? It's really strange. It is not natural. People don't walk on water, they walk underwater. People walk on sand, people walk on, on gravel, right? It's, it's strange. It's not natural. It's strange because it's, it doesn't happen every day. And I'm not here to explain to you the phenomenon. I don't think anybody can, but the mere fact that this account of Jesus walking on water and several supernatural acts of Jesus that were mentioned in all the Gospels, in Mark, in Matthew, in Luke, in John, proved that this actually happened. And there were many, many witnesses to prove them. In other words, this account is real. It is not magic. And Jesus did this supernatural acts to prove who he is and what he is capable of doing. He is God and only he is capable of doing what only God can do. Like save people. Like forgive sins. There's no other person who can do that except God. Now, let me give you some context or a little background about this event. The book of Matthew starts with a genealogy of Jesus Christ. Okay? Uh, Matthew traces Jesus' lineage to King David, meaning he is of royal descent, a king. Matthew also calls him the Son of God. He calls him the Christ, meaning the Messiah, meaning the liberator, meaning the deliverer, meaning the savior. Uh, Many actually did not believe he was the son of God. And that is why you will read in Matthew verses like, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, the angels will catch you. 
If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. You read those, those, those verses in Matthew. You see, before the walking on the water account, there was another supernatural phenomenon that is really strange. Uh, Jesus has just fed thousands of, of people, the crowd. Uh, the Bible says 5,000 men, excluding uh, women and children. Thousands of, of, of people. He fed them with two loaves of bread and five fish. Now, how in the world can somebody do that? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I really don't know. Uh, but Jesus said in Matthew 14, he says, Bring them to here, the two loaves of bread and five fish, or five loaves of bread, two fish. And he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the, the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces of leftover. The leftovers, 12 baskets. In other words, he performed a godly act that only God can do. Only God can do something like that. You see, this crowd has been following Jesus since the start of his public ministry. Jesus was moving around, going from place to place, telling people about God, about what scriptures teach, and how the Old Testament scriptures point to Jesus as the fulfillment of not one, not two, not three, not four, but several prophecies regarding the coming Messiah, regarding Him. His mission was to be the Messiah. That's His mission. His mission was not to feed the crowd or heal the sick. Jesus came to this earth to be Messiah, to be the promised deliverer, to be the liberator, to be the savior. Now, the crowd has been following Jesus because they expected him to be their liberator, their king, who will deliver them from Roman oppression. That was their expectation. They were following him because they were being provided with free meals, and he was healing their sick and even raising some who are already dead. In other words, they were following him for free food, for free health insurance, and for a hope to freedom from, free, from, from Roman oppression. It was this crowd that welcomed Jesus, even shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, in the highest as they waved palm trees on Palm Sunday. And when Jesus revealed to, to them his real mission that yes he is a king but not of this world not the expected king they wanted and that yes he is the promised deliverer but he would deliver them and save them not from roman oppression but from the oppression of sin and that he would do this by dying a humiliating criminal's death on the cross because that is his mission 
See, folks, this crowd did not believe what they heard. What kind of a king is this? This crowd did not believe what they heard. They did not expect this kind of king. They were, in other words, disappointed. They were frustrated. This same crowd that shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, is the same crowd that will eventually shout, crucify him, crucify him. They did not believe in the Son of God. The God who came down to planet Earth and put on human flesh, the God who has been prophesied by their own people in their own Old Testament scriptures, in their own writing, and now he has come in person face to face with this crowd and they missed him. They totally missed him. They did not believe that their Savior has come. You see, Jesus knew people's hearts. He knows who will reject him. He knows who will accept him. Even now, he knows what you and I are thinking. He knows because he is God. He knows why you are here. He knows your motives, my motives. He knows our skepticism. He knows every heart in this room if that heart is half-hearted or that heart is fully committed to him. But because he is God, he can surely do something that only he can do. He can perform a miracle. He can do something that Jesus can do and he can surely change hearts. Only he can do, not your parents, not your seatmates, only he can do something like that. And so after feeding the crowd, Jesus made plans to go to another place across the sea, across the ocean. To another place, and he made his disciples go before him to the other side of the sea. And this is our text for today, Matthew chapter 14. If you have your Bibles with you or your your apps, please open to Matthew chapter 14, and we'll be reading from uh, verses 22 to 20 to 33. <clears throat> Immediately, he made the disciples go into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, that's probably about three to six a.m., in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. 
But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. As I have mentioned, the Gospel of Matthew was written to show his readers that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Christ, the King, the Liberator, the Deliverer, the Savior, just as it was prophesied, just as Jesus has said it. With that, let me share with you two observations about this passage. Verse 24 to 27. First observation, he knows what you're afraid of. Jesus knows, God knows what you are afraid of. He knows because he is God, because he is all-knowing. Amen? He knows that these men, his disciples, were not afraid of the ocean at first. Okay? They were not afraid of the ocean. They were not afraid of the high waves at first. They were not afraid of the strong wind. Even though they were beaten by the waves and the wind was against them, the Bible did not say that they were scared of this at first. At first. And you know why? Because they were fishermen. They were fishermen. That is what they do. This is something that is not strange to them. It is their natural. You know what scared them? But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear, and immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. They were not afraid of the ocean, they were afraid of Jesus. They were afraid of Jesus. Let me share with you something. There are three words that I want you to understand. In the English language, if you look at that, in the English language, they, are, there seems, they seem to be the same Terrified, fear, afraid. Did you see that? But I did some research. <clears throat> let, me, let me share you, to you what I researched. It's in Greek. The first word, terrified, in Greek is tarazzo. Tarazzo, I hope I pronounced that correctly. But it means troubled. That's why in some of your Bibles, you'll see they were troubled. They were troubled. The second word, fear, in verse 26, is the Greek word phobo, phobo, which means terror. It is a reaction of fear. That's why they cried out, or they trembled in fear. It's a reaction of fear. Now, the third one is interesting. It's phobeo in Greek. It is rendered, it is rendered reverential 
fear. Meaning, you are afraid to offend someone out of reverence or out of respect. In this instance, it is used with, uh, with, an, with a conjunction with a Greek primary particle that means lest or unless. I know it's Greek. I know. <laughs> but the English rendition would mean don't be afraid unless it is reverential fear. Did you get that? Don't be afraid unless it is reverential fear. Or do not fear irreverently. Do not fear because you're afraid to be punished, but fear because you're afraid that your sin or your disobedience will hurt or offend God. That's reverential fear. And so, to put in perspective, these fishermen were not scared of the ocean at first, but when they saw Jesus walking on water, they were tarazzo. They were troubled. They could not figure out in their mind what in the world is going on. This is strange. They recognized Jesus, but that was on, on dry land. That was on dry land. They know the ocean. They are experts of the ocean. No one just walks on water. They are troubled, and because they are troubled, they are now experiencing the unnatural or the supernatural, you see? And because they could not comprehend with their human thinking what is happening, their reaction is that of, what? It's a ghost. They cried out in fear, a reaction of their fear, of their terror. And what does Jesus do? First of all, listen, notice. He speaks. He utters his own words for them to recognize him. Jesus says, take heart. It is I. He lets them recognize his familiar voice. Take heart, meaning be courageous. It is I. You know me. I am he. I mean no harm. I am he who is concerned about you. I am he who fed the crowd, who is concerned about the crowd with two loaves of bread and five fish. I am he who wants nothing but your welfare. I am he who sees your fears. I am he who sees your sins. I am he who sees your struggles. I am he who sees your pain. I am he. So do not be afraid. Do not fear me like this. Do not be irreverent. This is your Messiah you are encountering here. This is your Savior you are encountering here. This is your Deliverer. Second observation, 28 to 33. You see, after Jesus takes the initiative, he will give you the opportunity to experience him. Only if you 
want to. Only if you want to. Peter says, Lord, if it is you, if it is you, can you sense the doubt? Can you sense perhaps the the skepticism of, of Peter here? Is it really you, Lord? But you see, Peter knows Jesus. He walked with him, he talked with him, he ate with him, he saw his miracles, but he has never really experienced him. He has never really saw him this way as the Christ who walks on water. Personally, Peter really has never experienced Jesus in this way as Jesus who he claims to be, as the Messiah, as the Deliverer, as His own Messiah, as His own Savior, as His own Deliverer. And in just a moment, Peter Peter will, will experience Jesus because he wanted to. Because he wanted to. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus says. Come. So Peter gets out of the boat, starts walking on the water, and he came to Jesus. He reached Jesus. Now look at this very carefully. When he saw the wind, now he was afraid. He wasn't afraid before of the wind. The Bible doesn't say that. But when he saw the wind, now he was afraid. And he began to sink. The wind that, was, that he was not afraid of before, now he was afraid. And, he began, and when he began to sink, he cried out to the Lord, the same Lord that he was afraid of before, the same Lord that he said, it is a ghost, the same Lord that troubled his mind to his very being to the point of crying out, this Lord he now is reverently saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, immediately, Jesus reaches out his hand and took hold of him, but tells Peter, you of little faith. Jesus did not say, you Peter of no faith. He said, you Peter of little faith. Why did you doubt? Folks, can you sense the grace the undeserving favor of God, the love of Jesus to Peter and to those who come to him. Jesus gave Peter a chance and Peter took that opportunity to come to him, to experience him, to walk on water, to do the unnatural. And when he saw the wind, this time he was afraid. What was in the wind that he was afraid of? that made him reverentially fearful. I believe when Peter saw the wind, he experienced the authority, the divinity, 
the lordship of Jesus over the wind, over the ocean, over the waves, over his creation, walking on it as if it were nothing to Jesus. And he was filled with reverential fear that he saw himself an expert of the wind, an expert of the ocean, an expert of the waves, an expert in the boat, as nothing compared to the sovereign lordship of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I believe Peter saw himself inadequate, helpless, not in control, needing somebody to save him, and he calls to Jesus, now recognizing him as Lord and cries out to him, Lord, save me. And the loving hands of Jesus reaches out to Peter and saves him despite his little faith. This is Peter who will later on deny Jesus not only once, not only twice, but three times. This is Jesus who with the same hands who saved him will be nailed on the cross for Peter of little faith. This is Peter who will later on after Christ has risen will be reinstated to be the leader of the apostles whom Jesus will say, feed my sheep. This is Jesus who after saving Peter from drowning, he brings him back to the boat Verse 32 says, And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Folks, Jesus is in control. Jesus is in control. That is what Peter saw in the wind. Even the winds obey Jesus because he is not just a man. He is God. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. Jesus experienced his Messiah this time. And even those in the boat, boat, verse 23, worshipped him saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Truly you are the Son of God. You see, you may know Jesus as Lord. Well, a lot of people call call him Lord. You may know Jesus as Savior, but you know because perhaps you grew up in a, in a Christian home or you have heard about Jesus from, from someone, may, maybe your parents or when you were growing up or perhaps at church, or maybe you happen to recite a, a, a traditional prayer, but really you have never experience Jesus as your Messiah, as your Deliverer, as your Savior. You see, if you really want to experience Jesus, if you really want to experience Him, God is giving you the opportunity. He has always spoken, folks. He has always spoken. For more than 2,000 years, He has spoken. So you recognize him, his words. You know him, but you're scared. You have always been in control. And you do not want to let go. 
Where's that tissue paper? I'm a crybaby. My wife knows that. I'm a major weeper. See, you have always been in control and you do not want to let go of what you are controlling. You are still in your boat. He says, take heart, be courageous. It is I. You know me. I am here. I mean you no harm. I am he who is concerned about you. I am he who wants nothing but your welfare. I am he who sees your fears, who sees your pain, who sees your struggles, your sins, your... You, I see you. Do not be afraid. Don't fear me this way. Do not be irreverent. Come. Let me share something with you. I mentioned earlier our trip to the Philippines was the most fruitful one out of the many times we have been back here. We have been back there. <clears throat> you see, I have a boat, and the name of my boat is Insecurity. That's the name of my boat. That's why I'm nervous. But I'm not afraid of the waves, and I'm not afraid of the wind, I'm not afraid of the ocean. I have always handled it well. By going around it, by taking the easy way out, by the less turbulent current, by not just going there to the deep, taking it easy, and just staying here, tying my boat to that wharf. A few weeks before I left for the Philippines, my good friend, Kuya Boy, and he's right there, he's the culprit, right there, <laughs> somewhere there, out there. <clears throat> he asked me if I can speak to the church where me and my wife attended before, and I said, let me pray about it. That's Greek, you know, my Greek translation for that is, no way, <laughs> I'm on vacation, I'm going to relax. I just got off, from leading our small group, our connect group, and it's my time off. <laughs> and so I told my wife, Ophel, what do you think? Should I speak? We've been married for 38 years, and uh, majority of the times, when I ask her for a decision breaker, she would answer, it's up to you, dear. I don't know if that's good or, or, or bad, but I'm still left with, an, with, a, with undecision, you know, left undecided. But for some reason, this time she replied differently. She said, you know, you have always wanted to share the word to people. Maybe the Lord wants you to. I said, um, thank you, Holy Spirit, Junior. <laughs> there goes my vacation. 
And so I prayed, Lord, is it you? Let me come to you on the water. I'm willing. But I have so little faith. What if they reject me? What if they reject you, Lord? What if things go wrong? And he says, come. And I did. And I did give the message that Sunday. And many gave their lives to the Lord that day. And not only that, for the two weeks we were there, we were able to visit friends. We were able to visit family. We were able to visit relatives. And we were able to visit longtime classmates who some of them have been ill. Some of them have been depressed or some of them have just been living the usual, you know. They know back home we are Christians, but we really have not shared our faith or the gospel with, them, with a lot of them in the past visits. That's why this one is really, really good. This time, by God's grace, we were able to sit down with them and spend good relational time to share the good news of Jesus with them. There were tears. <laughs> I, I was in tears, and it was just a glorious visit this time. Folks, and I had to repent. I had to repent for not seeing Jesus for who he is. He is the almighty God who can do mighty things. He reached out my hand. He brought me back to the boat. The winds calm. And he renamed my boat. He renamed it Secured. <laughs> Secured. And that's what Jesus does. Yeah. That's what Jesus does. It's what Pastor Phil and Pastor Roger have been emphasizing all along. Preaching the gospel to yourself. And becoming missional wherever you are. Proclaiming the beautiful gospel wherever we are. Globally. Globally and locally abroad. In your market, in, in your workplace, in your school, in your home. Yeah. It's where God place, places you at that moment. I believe this message is for two kinds of crowds here today. And I'm going to call the worship team as I close. We have a wonderful worship team. <laughs> I mean that, that ad lib earlier made me cry again. <clears throat> the first crowd is for those of you who do not know the gospel. You hear the word gospel very often. You read it somewhere, but you don't know what it means. Honestly, you don't know what it means. It means good news. Good news. In order for you to appreciate the good news, you must hear the bad news. There are a lot of bad news in the Bible. Did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> bad news number one, all have sinned. You included. Me too. 
The penalty of sin is death. And logic tells me if all have sinned and the penalty of sin is death, then we're all dead. Bad news number three. This is not physical death. The Bible doesn't talk about this kind of physical death. This is the second death. Eternal destination, hell. Revelations 21 verse 8, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, we're not like that. The sexually immoral, no, we're not like that. The sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars, there we go. <laughs> Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Logic tells us again, if all of us will go to hell, then there's no one to save us. Because we are all sinners. We are all criminals. Bad news number four. If you think you can save yourself by doing good things, by obeying the Ten Commandments, by the way, there are more than ten. There are about 300, just in the book of Numbers or Leviticus or something. If you think you can do this, obey those commandments, well, do it 100%, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Because James 2.10 says, Whoever keeps the law but fails in one point has become guilty of breaking all of it. It's an all or none law. Folks, we are hopeless. We are helpless. We are not in control. That is why Peter said, Lord, save me. Now listen, this is the good news. This is the gospel. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. We know this. You've read this. You know this. Jesus, the Son of God, knew we are all sinners. And so He Himself came down to this world, became human, never sinned. He should not have been penalized. But He took all of our sins upon Him, substituted you on the cross where you and I should have been crucified. But because He loves you, because He wants you to believe that He truly is the Son of God, whoever believes only if you want to, whoever believes. It is a decision you have to make. If you want to believe, Jesus says, come, walk on water. If you want to walk on water, then get out of the boat and follow Jesus. You see, folks, this is the beauty of the gospel. Jesus is the gospel. But you have to make a decision, you see, even you of little faith. He says, come, if you are that person, and you have never really told Jesus, Lord, save me. If you don't recall having said that to Jesus, Lord, save me, you can do that right now. You can do that right now. The second kind of crowd is for those of you who have been Christians for a long time. For us Christians who have been Christians for a long time. And Christianity, church, your prayer life has been boring, has been monotonous, no spark, no joy. You have not shared the gospel with anyone. You have 
a boat named insecurity and you are probably down because there was perhaps a tragic incident there was perhaps a family crisis there was perhaps a, a financial problem a broken relationship or you are in sin my friends you may be in sin my friend what boat are you in Jesus says to you come he says to you too, come the gospel is for you too the beauty of the gospel is not what that when you say Lord save me when you repent when you renew your thinking about Jesus he grabs your hand and if you're trying to do it your way serving being good thinking you will be more acceptable to God if you serve him this way if you serve him that way if you pray harder if you pray louder if you pray this way if you can just do it better just do it good enough then you've got it all wrong Jesus loves you dearly he has given his life for you yes undeserving you you are accepted folks you are accepted you do not need to prove yourself to be more acceptable to him his love for you will never change this is the beautiful gospel when you understand that the outflow of your heart will be to love him back will be to serve him with all your heart with all your strength with all your mind with all your soul that is called worship your winds will cease and out of the overflow of your heart your mouth will speak truly you are the son of God this is your day too. tell him what's in your heart and if you're willing just ask him Lord Lord save me Heavenly Father what a a powerful word that you have given us this morning God Heavenly Father, a challenge, Lord God, to identify the boat that we are in that is hindering us from coming to you, God, and then placing our trust in you, Lord, knowing that even in the midst of the waves and the winds, God, your grace and mercy are there. I praise you, Heavenly Father, and I pray, Lord God, that um, all of us, Lord God, uh, will respond, Heavenly Father, to your word this morning. I pray, Lord God, for those who uh, maybe today was their first time ever or maybe their first time in a long time coming before you, God, with an open heart and just saying, Lord, save me. For, other, for others of us, Lord God, maybe, Lord Jesus, we have been serving you for a long time, God, but our relationship with you has become dull. 
has become mundane, has become ordinary, God. And Lord, Jesus, we come to you as well, walking on the water. Lord God, needing to be revived. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your servant who brought the word this morning. I pray that you bless him and his family. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you bless every person that is here today. I pray, Heavenly Father, for Pastor Phil, Lord God, and the whole team that is in the Philippines, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that as we leave, we will leave as disciples. We will leave as ones, Heavenly Father, that want to dive deeper into the gospel. We will leave as ones having a desire to tell others about the faith and the truth and the love that you give. In Jesus' name, you deserve all the glory and all the praise. Amen and amen. God bless Inspire. Thank you for joining us for this week's Inspire Churches podcast. Don't forget to share or subscribe to join us every Sunday. You can keep up with Inspire Churches through Instagram at Inspire Churches or on Facebook at facebook.com slash inspirechurches. To support the ministry, you can click on the link in the description or visit us at inspirechurches.com for more information.